Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Moments That Matter podcast, brought to you by Leadership Triangle, which serves Durham, Orange, Wake, and Chatham counties in North Carolina. Leadership Triangle is a nonprofit organization established in 1992 to educate and promote regionalism across the separate communities of the Triangle. It does this through regional and leadership development classes, seminars, and awards. Graduates of the programs are members of the Goodman Fellowship, now encompassing approximately 1,000 Goodman Fellow alumni across the Triangle. This podcast was designed to hear the stories of leaders within our community. Every story of leadership starts with a lived experience, from the subtle to the profound. Our lived experiences ignite our passions and shape the way we live and lead in the world. Join us to hear from Leadership Triangle Goodman Fellows about the moments that have mattered in their lives. Learn how those moments have defined the paths they've taken and fueled the work they've chosen to pursue. Hello, my name is Angel Brown, and I am sitting down this afternoon with educator and community leader, Valencia Harris. Welcome, Valencia. Thank you so much for having me. Valencia is president and founder of Empower All Incorporated. She's an educator that has taught both elementary and STEM education for over 15 years. Valencia is a third-year doctoral student studying educational equity at North Carolina State University. Her educational and career experiences have fueled her drive to diversify the teacher pipeline, push culturally relevant pedagogy as standard, increase the presence of students of color in STEM, and create an equitable education for all students. She is a recent Triangle Business Journal 40 Under 40 Award winner. Congratulations. Thank you. And a quote at the bottom of her email signature by Toni Morrison sums up her ethos as a leader. Quote, if you are free, you need to free somebody else. If you have some power, then your job is to empower somebody else. Valencia, thank you for joining us on the Moments That Matter, a Leadership Triangle podcast. How are you this afternoon? What energy are you bringing into this session? I'm so excited and I'm not sure who wrote that introduction, but it was beautiful. And I'm like, wait, are you describing me? Yes, you are. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I'm bringing authenticity and joy into this session today. Lovely. We are looking forward to receiving all of that joy and all of your authenticity. And all of our storytellers for this podcast are Leadership Triangle alumni and Goodman Fellows. So which Leadership Triangle program did you complete and when and what impact did it have on you? Whoop, whoop. Shout out to Regional <laughs> Cohort Spring 2022. Just join the group. Um, so excited to be a part of re uh, Regional Triangle. Honestly, it showed me so much more than I could have ever imagined. I'm a Raleigh native, but being able to be in a space with other leaders in the community to shed light on things that are happening related to transportation, education, sustainability and housing was breathtaking. And it really pushed me uh, a call to action to really get involved and support our local community in any way that I possibly can. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing about your experience. I also completed the regional 2021 program in the fall um, and found the same impacts of really broadening scope of what transportation sustainability looks like across the triangle. So um, thank you for 
sharing that. So when you submitted your proposed story for this podcast, you described that you are passionate about empowering students, families, teachers, and community shareholders to heal from the effects of racial inequity and reclaim their inner genius. This work is in your bones, you said. So before we get into the details of your story, could you tell us why you feel like these moments and stories are important to tell? I think that it's always important to amplify voices that are often silenced. So when we talk about storytelling, I'm a huge advocate for qualitative research, really engaging the community, engaging individuals to listen, right? So then that's how we dive into self-reflection, how we recognize our blind spots and our biases. So it is important to pause and to just listen to lived experiences. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I want to hear more. So could you tell us about your story and your moment that mattered? Set the stage for us. Include details about your setting, what age you are, what was happening in your life at the time. Okay, I will have to start with elementary school. I remember riding in my mom's Silverado truck. She was beast mode, right? Um, Pulled up in the carpool lane. And my brother, who's two years younger, and much taller than I am, but I still call him my baby brother. Uh, we were exiting the car and I noticed a division immediately. The division of seeing people coming through via carpool or coming through the bus loop or walking. Um, and then as a young black girl at a magnet school. Um, We were afforded to be able to attend that school because my mother was an educator. But what happened for me is I recognized that I became culturally lost. What does that mean? It meant that to my black friends, I wasn't black enough because I didn't come in on the bus or walking. And to my white friends, I was black, right? So At that point, I had to then navigate and figure out who is Valencia? Who are you? And and why does race play a role in in your life? Um, And then my first year in graduate school in the Ph.D. program, we had to do a self-reflection and talk about your first experiences with race. And this story just or the moment in time where I thought about that, I recognize that division and I recognize that it is important for our youth to be empowered at an early age, to be confident in who they are, no matter what mode of transportation that they arrive in and come into school to really have a sense of belonging and being able to enter in a safe space. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And, and it sounds like your work with Empower All almost starts from that early experience that you had um, in elementary school. You talked a little bit about belonging. So what what does that mean to you and how have you translated that into your work now? Oh, belonging is everything. As an elementary educator, uh, we I used to call it family meetings. Now it's called social emotional learning, but it's really about building community, uh, creating space for each individual student each individual teacher, each individual staff member to feel a part of something in a, in a different way that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to look the same or have the same beliefs or the same values, but you are seen and you are heard. That's great. So what ways do you feel like education can see and hear more experiences than that's currently being shown? That's a million dollar question, right? <laughs> and I really think it 
starts with, again, having that safe space, the restorative space where students are able to uh, if they if they want to share, then they can speak up and share. But if they want to be silent and maybe give a written response, um, that will really allow them to feel the belonging and the sense of ownership in the classroom space. That's great. Education is ripe with opportunities to create moments that matter for students who may otherwise be marginalized. So can you give an example or share a story of a moment that has mattered in the life of one of your students? Oh, I can think of many students. I have to share with you all how we started our day in our classroom. I will have my students repeat after me. I look good. I feel good. And there is nobody else like me. And for those of you who do not like me, you may hide in the bush and watch because this train that I am on is headed for success. So when we repeat that mantra over and over by the end of the year, they say it with sass. They say it with so much (laughs) attitude and they really own it. But I share that because it really goes back to building that family centered classroom where students feel that they can take over, they can lead, they feel free to ask questions. There are no dumb questions. They are okay if they don't have an answer to a question. And then when students leave me at the end of the year, transitioning to the next grade level, there are so many tears, especially (laughs) for me, but the students as well. But I can think of one particular student who had some needs, some um, difficult needs that was placed, he was placed in my classroom intentionally because I believe that every day is new and I love laughing. So some of the things that he did were quite hilarious to be that I could shake off. But at the end of the year, when he cried and didn't want to leave Mrs. Harris's classroom, I knew I had made a connection with him. But at the start of the new school year, when he took off running, hiding, wanting to hide from a teacher, he immediately came back to my classroom. So I knew that I had created that safe space for students to return to, for sure. Wow, that's beautiful. And, and it sounds like you're you're speaking from a wisdom that is almost in your lineage of education. You've spoken about how you come from a family of educators. Yes. So what influence have the educators that are in previous generations? How has that influenced your education and teaching oh. style? Okay, well, my mom was my first teacher and I grew up in her classroom and actually I vowed that I would never teach. I vowed that I would never become an educator. I would not live in between the four walls of a classroom. Um, I just spent teacher work days and summers in her classroom and I put my foot in my mouth. I ended up (laughs) back in the classroom and realizing that it is a radical space, a radical space for opportunity for students to truly grow socially, emotionally, and academically. So I am so much like my mother. I cannot even like begin to describe how close and how similar we are. And I hear her and myself in the classroom and as I speak with other educators. And yeah, I mean, Everyone in my family was in education, whether principals, superintendents on the school board or fighting for equal rights or fighting to bridge the gap. Looking at that academic achievement gap is what they called it at the time. Now, opportunity gap. So one way or another, I was definitely going to end up in the education space. Yes. Like you said, it's in your bones. So you couldn't quite (laughs) avoid it. Um, 
I appreciate that. Thank you for for sharing that story. So Valencia, we're at a very interesting point in our educational experience and system where we're coming out of a two-year virtual distance learning situation for many students. Where do you see education going from this point based off of what has happened over the last two years? Whoo. I know I start every question with woo because they're like big money questions, right? And I think about the pandemic and it really, for education, unmasked a lot, right? So yes, the pandemic happened, but we were already in a pandemic uh, when we think about racial inequities. And I, I wrote an article about this that we immediately came up with three W's during COVID, right? So we all knew to wash our hands. We knew to watch how close we were to one another and we had to wear those masks, Mm -hmm. right? But I applied that to education and I think, will you watch your bias? Will you walk alongside of our students, all of our students, and will you break the cycle? So with the virtual world, Yes, that is great because I think about snow days years ago, like how can we create a space where students are still learning and engaging? Sorry, my former students, if you're still listening and you hear Miss Harris saying, take the pillow, take that spoon out from under your pillow. You need to be in school. (laughs) Um, But virtual world provides us with an opportunity so we don't have those gaps, but it still does not beat being in a classroom to be in a space that you're in arm's reach of students who need a special touch, who need that uh, extra guidance, a a closer look and monitoring um, their academic growth as well. So, and at the same time too, with COVID, we recognize the academic loss. You know, when I left Wake County, my last group of kindergartners last year were third graders. So, and that is, mind-blowing because Mm -hmm. they've grown, but academically, they were still back as kindergartners. So Mm -hmm. that's a lot of work on teachers to be able to catch up. That's a lot of work on parents who may have never had the proper training or or actually education is different. The way I learned math (laughs) is completely different now. So there's a lot of pressure on students, too, to be able to navigate both worlds of what my teacher is saying or what my mom is saying, or how do I enter back into a space to engage with my peers because I have been away from home or excuse me, away from school on virtual. So there's a lot that we have to do at this time uh, to really catch up with that gap. And I don't even know if we should play catch up or just figure out a new way to um, encourage our students to be, be both in the classroom and be both virtual. That's great. Thank you for sharing. Could you tell us a little bit about your life and work now? What do you draw on in your career as founder and president of Empower All Incorporated? I'm still getting adjusted to being founder and president of Empower All (laughs) Incorporated. We just established ourselves in 2021, so we're still brand new. But when I think about it, all of my experiences as an educator, as an instructional assistant, As a student, as someone who worked in corporate America, as someone who worked in higher education, all of those were the ingredients needed 
for Empower All to be birthed. Uh, So Empower All is a brand new nonprofit. Our mission is to empower all to be fully human through a holistic approach that focuses on three key areas. We focus on cultural affirmation and belonging, an emphasis on STEAM. We include the A, the arts. And then we, of course, could not leave out the social, emotional learning and mental health wellness. So I'm excited. And anytime I have the opportunity to kind of share who I am or what Empower All is, it is 37 years of them brewing inside of me that has now birthed and come to fruition with the help of some awesome co-founders. Shout out to Emily Wade and Amanda West and a host of phenomenal board members and junior board members as well. That's wonderful. So you said that Empower All is is more in its infancy. It's still new. What have you learned over the last year of founding this nonprofit? I've learned. Okay, yes, that's right. Co-founding. Shout out to co-founders. I have learned that in the nonprofit space, it is hard work and you have to get comfortable with no's. You have to get comfortable with asking for things and swallowing your pride and asking for funds. Um, I really had to realize when I ask for funds, it's not for my personal gain. It is really to uplift the community that we serve. So that has been the hardest thing, but everything else, has come naturally because it is really what we, the work that we really are passionate about. That's wonderful. Could you give us an example of one of the programs or ways that you all complete your mission at Empower All? Okay, yes. Uh, We were fortunate to pilot our work over this past year in partnership with Timber Drive Elementary School, where we are able to go into the classroom and do STEAM challenges that center identity and equity, while also supporting core instruction. So what does that mean? We're able to blend together STEAM challenges that through the lens of racial equity and ensuring that we encompass the social emotional learning as well. So we're excited to uh, be in partnership with Wake County Public School System. But on the flip side, we immerse ourselves in the community where we are attending community events and passing out free interactive STEM kits to our youth. We try to build kits that are unplugged that not necessarily you wouldn't need technology so that there are no barriers to engage in this work. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And we're looking forward to the expansion of Empower All into more elementary schools um, across Wake County. So I want to pivot a little bit to talk about your dreams. Um, You had said that you want to really empower all and really heal from a lot of the racial inequities that have been within education for so many decades. What is your dream for addressing racial inequity with education? And what would a holistic, empowered educational system look like? Oh, man, now I get to dream. How exciting. Um, I will honestly say I think about the Leandro case with the Leandro versus the State Board of Education. We recognize that every student should have access to a sound and basic education. And then we also think about some of the problems that are happening right now in education when it comes to broadband access, the cultural mismatch teacher recruitment and teacher retention, uh, filling schools with access to resources. So if we can correct all of those things, 
boom, how exciting, how awesome our education system would be. A space that really is filled with teachers who are paid well, who are valued for their craft, for their time, and for their heart. Uh, To really have space where students have full access to all that they need to really cultivate their inner genius that's inside of them. Um, I know the acronym AIG means academically gifted, but I believe all students have, and I'm going to advocate for their inner genius, their AIG, and it's on us as community stakeholders, it's on us as educators to really create and not just dream about this education system because we can take what's at our fingertips and make magic from it. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing your dreams with us um, and that vision of of what a holistic and equitable education system could look like. And as you said, it starts with examples that we have at our fingertips. There, there is something we can be doing about it. Um, so what what would you say are the tangible things that people in the community, maybe they're not involved in education, but they want to support? What would that look like? I think it goes back to moments that matter. First, listen, listen to the needs of each individual school because all schools don't need the same things. So listening, um, not just giving money, but being intentional about the funds and showing up in those spaces. Right. Oftentimes, my goal is to bridge home, school and the community. Well, what does that look like? Well, corporations or businesses who want to or who have funds and want to offer funds great but also find time to step away and volunteer and be present in the schools because we recognize that representation matters and it really can impact our youth in a positive way that's great thank you for sharing that wow this is amazing um you have so much wisdom and i hope that all of the folks listening are taking notes. Uh, Is there anything else about your moment that mattered or your story that you would like to share with the audience? Well, I just honestly want to say thank you. Thank you for listening and know that when I'm on this mission of empowering all, I have not forgotten to include myself. So through this year, I too have been empowered uh, to speak up, to use my voice, to stand tall, even though I'm five foot one, (laughs) uh, to state my positionality. I'm always going to speak through the lens of being a black female educator and being okay with that and knowing that my voice matters too. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you for sharing. Very powerful note to end on. Valencia, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us, for sharing your dreams with us, your history with us. Um, We are so grateful for your courage and your vulnerability. It was truly a gift. Where can our listeners find you and support your work? All right. You can go on the web, www.empower-allinc.org. We are on Instagram as well, so you can find us on the internet. But hopefully you'll see us in person. We'll be out and about, definitely continuing our mission of passing out these free interactive STEM kits. And we have a summit coming up. So definitely would love to fill the space with many as many people as possible. We have our first summit. We're blending mental health, hip hop and steam. So super excited and hope everyone can join us. That's wonderful. I will include all of that information in the show notes for our listeners to be able to access. Valencia, again, thank you so much. And we will hope to see you and support you around the community. Thank you very much. 
We are really excited for our next episode where we will hear from a moment that has mattered in the life of another Goodman Fellow. Every story of leadership starts with a lived experience. What is your moment that mattered? Tune in next time. A special thank you to producers and project team, Kendall Davis, Brian Berner, and myself, Angel Brown. Sound editing and production by Connie Brown. We would like to thank Leadership Triangle for sponsoring this podcast and connecting leaders throughout the triangle. A big thank you to our listeners of Moments That Matter, a Leadership Triangle podcast.